Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Everybody. Hello, everybody. Recruiting Animal here on October 26th, 2-6-2016. You know, I've been on this show for a long time, and my enunciation gets worse. I believe the show has made my speaking style worse instead of better. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to talk about something I talked about last week before we get going. I had another run-in with the masses, you know, those peasants with their pitchforks chasing the monster. I had an experience like that again on Facebook last week. On Wednesday night, I watched the debate, the U.S. presidential debate. And when it was finished, I tweeted that calling one person a nasty woman doesn't mean that you think all women are nasty. Well, you know, the roof might as well. The roof might as well have caved in on me. You know, here's what one woman argued against me. She said, Animal, I'm 56 years old. So I said to her, are you asking me for a date or are you telling me that old people are wise people? Because you know that isn't true. That's the level of debate I got from these guys. And I tried to prove my point by posting this search string. I'm trying to abbreviate this, so it's it's going to be disjointed. Nasty woman minus Hillary minus Clinton minus Trump minus debate minus 216. And you know what? I came up with nothing because no one ever uses that term nasty woman before last Wednesday, right? Nasty woman is not a common put down of women. So my sponsor, not my AA sponsor, I'm not in AA, okay? The sponsor of this show said on Facebook that I take things too literally. And everybody else said, yeah, he's got a tin ear. So, you know, maybe it's true. Maybe I live in a bubble. And I admitted that. I don't realize what's going on out there. And on Monday, one of my friends here north of the 49th parallel, he said to me, he said, you don't realize how bad things are down there in the United States. Meaning if someone says that Trump said uh, Hillary's a nasty woman. It really is indicative of a, a mass phenomenon of female hatred. And I said, well, maybe so. But Michael Moore just said that people who vote for Trump are not terrible people. They vote for him, he claims, because he doesn't support moving car production down to Mexico. So if Michael Moore, a committed Democrat, says that, it kind of throws some of the cliches into question, doesn't it? Doesn't it? You tell me. But now it's time for Jerry. Jerry, what show is this? The Recruiting Animal Show. 
I'm going to make an admission to Jerry. That wasn't a very good introduction. And Jerry would surely agree, but he's away hunting. Jerry's not here. That was a tape. And I'd also like to thank our dear sponsor, the guy who criticized me, Martin Snyder and PC Recruiter, his company. And uh, I'll just get straight to our guest. His name is Chad Balby. Chad with two Ds. That's, you know, that's what this guy came up with to make himself distinct. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, he's a longtime listener, and uh, here's something uh, interesting about him. Uh, well, no, you know what? I'll let him tell us what's interesting about him. Besides that Double D thing, I can't come up with anything else. Chad Double D, are you here? Can you hear me? Yeah. Boy, that's a really enthusiastic uh, introduction. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Well, okay. I, said that, well I said that because because more times than not, when I call in, I'm muted. So I didn't want to go into this long, drawn out introduction only to find out I'd have to repeat myself. Yeah. OK. Well, you're giving yourself away right away. You're kind of kind of a dull style of talking, but you're belligerent. So one compensates for the other. All right. <laughs> belligerent or okay. straight to the point, whatever you'd like to do describe it as no no it's got a little edge to it maybe that's what keeps you going on those triathlons you're a triathlon doer right um running overall marathon half marathon triathlon whatever i can get my hands on yeah okay you know that's a little too detailed you just sort of said yes okay i'm going to just jump right into this you've got yourself listed you down on you've got yourself listed now on linkedin as a corporate recruiting consultant is that Correct. Am I right about that? That, that is correct. Okay. So I'm going to feed you a bunch of statements. They're true and false uh, that have been made recently on Facebook, and I want to know what uh, you think about them. Rob McIntosh, famous guy. He's been in charge of sourcing in Microsoft. Okay. He says 70% of recruiters don't care or are clueless, and he's talking about corporate recruiters. True or false? 70%. False. False. Why? Defend it. Or I'll, I'll let you well, think you about that. Almost... No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's actually easy. From a corporate recruiting standpoint, you have to care um, because you, the people that you're hiring for are also your coworkers. If you have a, a crappy hire, let's say, or you have a stream of crappy candidates, this is somebody you have to see on a regular basis, depending on the size of the company, of course. So you have to, it's really about saving face more than anything else. You can't be known as the guy who submits crappy candidates and getting that reputation across the, uh, across the office. So yeah, you should care. Okay. Yeah. You should care and you do care are two different things. He says, he says that 80% of the candidates uh, come in through applications. So these people don't have to do much proactive sourcing and uh, they're going to be replaced sooner than they know it by algorithms. Okay, so and, and you know what? He takes the first half of his essay, which is very long, establishing his credentials. So you're up against a superstar. Next thing, Rob McIntosh says the majority of our so-called recruiting brethren are not liked, trusted, or are just downright despised. Is that true? True. Why is that? Uh, recruiters kind of get the reputation of a Look, make sure to kind of get yeah, anyone to, to fill my position as what quickly you're as possible. Faded out. Why? Why are they disliked and despised? 
uh, because one, they don't really know the skill set sometimes that they're recruiting for as well as the person does, and they automatically get looked at as as someone not as educated as that individual. I believe that's wrong, but I know it to be true. And two, recruiters can tend to, I mean, I've talked about this before, there's really no barrier to entry to get into the recruiting space. So if you're talking to a newer or uh, not as well-polished recruiter, if you will, chances are you're going to have a poor experience and paint a broad brush on the industry. Okay, let's go back to that. Rob McIntosh said 70% of recruiters are dumb. Do you agree with that based on what you just said? Sounds like it. I don't think they're dumb by any means. I, I wouldn't say that. And I've had that argument actually on your Facebook group many times. I think it's an, just an, a, a, I don't okay. want to. So you're I, just saying, not you're ignorant, just saying, you're just statement. saying, you're just saying that they don't understand the jobs well enough. And really there's no way they're going to. They're recruiters. They're not specialists in the kind of position they're exactly, recruiting Exactly. And that for. doesn't make and, them dumb. Yeah. And these candidates, they judge them unfairly they say you ought to know as much as much as i do being five or ten years in this industry on the job and they judge recruiters unfairly it's the candidates who are short-sighted and narrow-minded is that what you're saying i would agree and bigoted and bigoted not bigoted i didn't say that i didn't say that Uh, i didn't say that your words not mine you said they judge everybody by a few bad apples. You just said that. And that's what the definition of bigotry is. Okay? Don't back out of it. You also said that there's newbies. There's new recruiters who don't know what they're doing, and they give everybody else a bad name as well. Is that what you said? That is correct. And actually, uh, you know, coming from that, that the, the agency industry working for a large corporate or large uh, staffing agency, I should say, that was a lot of the training was, look, here's a list of candidates. Just call them just to get the experience, just to get the practice. When in reality, you're really representing your company's brand. So when they're getting a call, they don't know that you just started that month. They think, okay, someone from this company is calling me. I will treat treat them just like anyone else I would treat. When in reality, it's a very junior person making just a you know feeler call with no with no goal behind it except for to train the the, the agency recruiter and not necessarily do anything for the candidate. Okay, okay. So recruiting managers are training recruiters improperly by just throwing them out there, sink or swim on the phone. That is that right? Yes. I would say is I would say that technique is relatively improper. Yes. Okay. Is anyone bo- there's people on the line? Is this boring? Am I going in the right direction? You're doing good, man. Carry on. Okay. Anybody can speak <laughs> up. Okay. Tim Sackett, another superstar. He said recruiters. Yes. No, not recruiters. Recruiting leaders, talent acquisition leaders. They're suckers for fads. They don't know what they're doing. 51% in a survey, they said that employment branding is the number one investment they will make in the next 12 months. Tim Sackett says for most companies, that's a waste of money. You can attract talent with a brand that nobody knows. And he said this is a painful indicator of a lack of great talent acquisition leadership. You're going out to companies now as an advisor. Do you have the guts to say that there's a lack of great talent acquisition leadership out there? I would, I would agree with that statement. Uh-oh, I hope nobody you're working for listens to that. Okay. What do you mean <laughs> by right. that? I mean, that's why, so that's why guys, I'm here, though. I, I wouldn't have okay. a job if, if that statement wasn't true. Okay. So these guys, so, yeah, well, you don't come into the thing and say, hey, sit down with the guy. I want to tell you, you are dumb. You are one big dummy. I've been following what Not you do. All. 
you're going to be listening. You're going to be all. listening to me from now on. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> well, that's that's your job, really, isn't it? And uh, mm-hmm. so, 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 is it true that these these guys or or women um, people they read uh, some article in a HR magazine and they say, man, I need that. And they don't really, is that, is that what happens? There's a lot I of think hype. that's human behavior. I, I think it's human behavior. You see a new shiny object and you instantly run to it. So yes, of course that's going to happen more times than not. So the professionals, they have no great insight into these new uh, gimmicks. Is that right? No, I think in the, if you're truly a thought leader, which I know I'm pretty sure you hate. No, no, no. Um, we're not talking about the elite. We're not talking. It's Listen, it's the thought leaders who con these ordinary folks into <laughs> doing these dumb things. Right? I'm sure they love hearing that. It's true. That's what he says. They read all this stuff. Who's writing it? The thought leaders. And then these guys out in the middle of nowhere say, geez, I need some of that. It's going to solve all my problems. I think every new thing that you see, you shouldn't look at as this will solve my problems. But yes, you should have an openness to putting that part of your recruiting toolbox, if you will. See if it works okay. for you. So, and if it doesn't, move employment on branding, it. employment branding, is it really important for everybody? Yes, completely important. I actually wrote an article about it, um, about how important it is. I feel, okay, and this is no bit. offense to any recruiter. Look, there's no offense to any recruiters on the line or who listen to this show regularly or work for large companies, but you're going to return my call if I'm saying I'm calling from Google, Apple, or Amazon. Chances are you're going to return that call. If I'm telling you I'm calling you from a startup company that's only been in the market for four years, there's going to be a lot of suspicion. In fact, that just happened to me last week. I had a candidate say to me, I'm interested in the position, but let me research you first before I give you you the time of day. They don't have to research Apple. They don't have to research Google. They don't have to research those companies. So yes, as a recruiter, no offense here, but your job is much easier if you have a little uh, Apple on your card versus not having that. Okay. So if you're out there and you know you're going to have to, you're recruiting, and you know you're going to have to appeal to these people who've never heard of you before, what's your employment branding going to consist of? I mean, you have to give them something that's going to entice you. You have to give them something that entices them. To want to call back, for example, the company I'm working with right now, this is very public information, but we just received $10 million in investment that, have, that has led us to a rebrand. I personally think that's really interesting, so I make that a part of my email pitch, something that draws them in. So find what's interesting about your company, add that to your pitch to, get, to allow people to get that second look. If you're just sending an email saying, look, I've got a job developer opening in your area, yeah, you and 35 other companies do too. Okay, so you gave us one thing, your funding. What else is going to go up there? Because, you know, first it was all just videos of people in costumes dancing around their office and having fun, <laughs> like on a break. That could be, that could be one thing. I, another thing, with the, and this is specific to the client I'm working with, we've got a, a section on our website that actually goes through our company culture. Um, uh, again, I know culture is a taboo word on this show, but it, it, it goes through what kind of separates us from other companies out there. So I put that on there as well. Here's a link to uh, what, what, what it's like to work for our clients so they can take a look at that as well. Okay, I want to hear. I want to hear that. I want to hear someone finally uh, describe the company I mean, culture. What does it say? You're, you're welcome to go to the site, but it's uh, one, it says, the first thing it says is no jerks allowed. That's literally the first thing you'll see if you go onto that page, which usually appeals to people because it's funny, but it also shows we don't take ourselves too seriously. 
uh, benefits. We've got lunch and learn Fridays every Friday. We don't have a vacation policy, which I know is beneficial to folks. Um, good news is I'm in Philadelphia, but what I'm recruiting for a client in the suburbs, we're literally attached to the major train station that gets you into Philadelphia. So it opens up us to those candidates who don't have cars. Is that cars. culture? Is that culture? Is that culture? The I mean, location? The, Come the, on. The, the the location might not necessarily be culture, but it does attract a certain. It's it's tough to say to somebody who doesn't live in Philadelphia or doesn't understand Philadelphia, but it does attract a certain type of people that you typically don't get in the suburbs, which yes does make up your culture. But it does affect it certainly. Completely. Okay, it affects it. And again, if you're not from Philadelphia, it's very hard to to understand that concept. Okay, so you gave us one thing about the culture, two things. No jerks. Four or five things. I don't know what more you need. No, no. You gave me no jerks. Hey, I want some help here from the people listening. He gave me no jerks. That's the first thing. Okay. And the second thing was they've got lunch and learn Fridays. Fridays, which means which means we're we're a think tank as much as we are a software development company. What's number three and four? The Philadelphia folks that, that we attract here. That, again, it's very hard to explain somebody who doesn't live in this area, but you've you, get a different, you get a sophisticated urbanites. You've got sophisticated urbanites even though you're out in the sticks. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Okay. We've got group We've got group outings. We've got a fully stocked kitchen. We've got happy hours. Heck, the first week I was working for this client, they took me down to Philadelphia on a party bus as a part of one of their happy hour outings. These are the type of things we do. These are the type of people we try to employ that they're going to be open to that sort of environment. You know what? These kind of things are all, they're all kind of peripheral to the actual work, aside from no jerks, which is left really vague. But we're not talking about work. We're talking about culture. Yeah, the culture is how you work together. Isn't that... You know, I, I won't go too long. Don't worry, everybody. I know Jerry. I, I have to fill in for Jerry. He'd be groaning his head off already. I'll ask you one more thing. Like, how do people work together? How do they resolve conflicts and things like that? Well, we're an open. Well, first off, we're an open space. There's no offices in our in our building, so that alone allows for collaboration. But we're just a very collaborative environment. We we say to everyone that we interview that you know as cliche as it sounds, there really are no dumb ideas. Bring your idea to the table, and we'll hash out for the best. So honestly, it comes down to the fact that we're just a collaborative environment. You're not going to find uh, offices or office space separated. You know, kind of creating that separation, if you will, that physical separation. Uh-huh. I got I got news for you. The latest fad is that Facebook went in the wrong direction with uh, this open space. Apparently, that's bad. Oh, agreed. That's now agreed. bad. I, I I understand. I understand that. I've read articles on it, and some of my clients have thought about going that. In fact, my company has thought about going to that. So I understand the drawbacks there. So you're talking about out of both sides of your mouth right now. On the one hand, you're saying it's great that we're so open and it means collaborative. On the other, you say, yeah, I've got my series. I mean, this is the that. problem. You opened you opened the show with with uh, with politics. So let me hit on that. This is the problem with the politics we're in right now. Both parties seem to be wrong in the other's eyes. You know, there is middle ground and gray area that you can understand both. You know, what, both sides of the spectrum. Hmm. Okay. Now, anybody uh, yeah, got a I'm question? Like- yeah, it's pretty Go easy ahead. to ridicule people that want to talk about culture. You know, everybody's grappling for a unique idea on culture. And I think what, you know, that your guest um, really is talking about is some good ideas of culture. But if you're a young, recently funded organization, then you are immediately 
as part of a certain culture. You're going to be very different to a large conglomerate. You know, everybody's close to each other. And I don't think you can be unique if you're a young kind of pre-IPO, recently funded software company. That is a culture in itself. And you can talk about those particular aspects. Inevitably, people have to be out on the floor. Nobody's going to be hidden. Um, things are going to be less structured. Things are going to be a lot more open. Um, you know, and it's it's going to be a faster track from a career development perspective. Uh, it's probably the number one key point with, with a young pre-IPO company is that careers can evolve incredibly quickly. And also it's a culture where, you know, functions, your role is never going to be exactly, is, you're always going to be called upon to do stuff that you might not have expected. So if you come from an IBM where you've got really tight, specific role, coming to a young startup all of a sudden you know you've got to put your stamps on your envelopes okay let me ask a question let me ask a question that's philip marks from all the way in england okay so what you're saying is you're saying kind of that as soon as you say it's a startup pre-ipo you know that certain things are implied you don't have to spell everything out is that what you're saying or if you're trying to bring people to a startup from big companies you do have to spell everything out don't you chad balby answer that question uh, yeah, completely. Uh, you, if you bring in someone from a bureaucratic system, it's very hard to understand what a startup company is doing. So you do need to walk them and hold their hands a little bit more. Um, but that's just natural. I mean, they're, they're used to a specific way of life for, for so many years. I mean, that's regardless so of hiring or, or anything. You have to tell them in advance. You have to tell them on your website. This is what the culture is. Phil Marks, do you agree? We won't go on too long, but I want your final opinion. Yeah, I mean, no, I didn't. I, I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm fully awake. Yeah, I mean, you could put it on your website, but really, the type of people that you're targeting should probably know that culture. Should probably relish a startup. That's why they're not happy where they are. Their careers aren't going anywhere. There's a lot of politics. It's overly process oriented. You know, if the type of people that are applying for, you know, even mid-level roles don't get that. And don't understand it, then you know they shouldn't even be. You shouldn't even be talking to them in the first place. Agree. Okay. Okay. So, Chad Balby, hey, Maureen, are you here? I Hello. am. I'm here. Uh, I'm here. You. You're supposed to laugh at what I say. That's your specialty. Laughing All at right. my jokes. Has been funny so far? I don't know. She's a good laugher. That's her one of that her virtues. She'll laugh at anything. Okay. It's so silent. Well, you must be doing well, a bad job today. We have one or two listeners that Altogether. object to that. Well, what you're laughing? having your lunch, Maureen. I'm sorry. Maureen's teaching a class later today. Go ahead. You can put us on mute and eat your lunch. I just want to see if you can. I just wanted to acknowledge you. Okay? <laughs> All right. There. Thanks. I'm acknowledging Maureen. Round of applause for her. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. okay. Now, here's what Chad Balby has pinned to the top of his Twitter page. He doesn't use these words, but this is what he says. Money is the deal breaker. Money is the deal breaker for me. Now, doesn't that contradict what people say about you know, money not being the most important thing in a move? And, you know, you don't want people who move primarily for money. But you say quite clearly, as soon as your big article starts, that money is where things usually fall apart. Chad Balby. <laughs> If yeah, that was the case, yeah, we could eliminate all payroll departments across the uh, across the globe. Everyone what? would just be working volunteer. 
I said if that were the I, case, I, if, if if money wasn't okay, as no, no, important, no, no, no. we could eliminate no, 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 payroll no. departments because we'd said, all be working volunteers. Yeah, look, I, I know Jerry's lines. I can fill them in. Maureen, you don't have to interrupt when he's talking, okay? I didn't uh, introduce you for that. So uh, <laughs> Jerry would say, look, you don't want people who are moving for money. You want them to move for just a few percent more. That's not it. Money yeah, is really not, not an argument. issue at all. Money that's is not, not the argument at all. No, 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 no. Look, you See, know, he's usually it, it, there with Maureen. What's with the lunch, okay? I'm not eating. Well, somebody's rustling you're paper and stuff the, there. You're, you're looking at the, the, the issue all, all wrong. People aren't moving because of money, but people are accepting a position because it meets their financial uh, outlook on life, what, what they need to maintain their life. So I'm not suggesting you should leave because we're going to give you $10,000 more. But I also know if I offer you $20,000 less than you're expecting, that you're going to go tell me to kind of, you know, go look for someone else. Okay. But your big thing is get rid of the taboo around money. You say. Yeah, most it shouldn't be an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah, but, you know, you've got a baloney reason for, for saying that. You say most conversations surrounding salary are very difficult and uncomfortable. Uh, 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 here she, don't, who's making that noise, okay? As a recruiter... It's important to take away the stigma that goes with the question, what do you make? Okay, now I want to know how you do that. I've written it out in front of me. So if you don't answer right, I'm going to get you. I just want you to know that. That's okay? fine. That's fine. I, I ask the question the same way on every single call I have. And that's essentially, I'm here to have your best interest in mind just as much as I'm here to have my company's best interest in mind. A part of that are kind of important factors, how close you are to the job location as well as financial earnings. So can you talk to me a little bit about that so I make sure that as we go through the process, I have your best interest in mind. So it allows them to show or it shows them that I'm an advocate for them and I'm asking on behalf of them. I'm not asking them to see what I can pigeonhole them into. Yeah, you know what? I think but you, your technique there is to have so many words involved in the question, how much money are you making? That I didn't even hear that. Did, was that in there? Well, I didn't. I didn't actually give you my. Well, this isn't a real live situation. I'm explaining how I have the conversation, and I just well, told I you that, I have the I conversation thought... by 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 showing that I'm an advocate for them. Once they realize I'm an advocate for them, then yes, I ask. All right, from a financial perspective, how much is it that you're making, and what are you looking for in a new opportunity? Okay, from a financial perspective, what other perspective is there? Well, that's why I'm trying to lay the groundwork. I apologize if I'm not using the correct terminology that you would have used. Okay, no, 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 you know what? I, sometimes, I, no, 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 you don't understand me. Sometimes it pays to be poetic and rhetorical and to say things that are redundant. You know, there's a, there, like I sort of implied before, there can be a, a certain logic to, you know, just adding extra verbiage to something. So it cushions it. It doesn't make it seem as blunt as, possibly. as it really is. Okay, so you, but you say to them, I'm on your side, not just my company's side. That's one of the first things you say. Is that right? Correct. Okay, and then you say, in order for me to get you the best offer, what would you be looking for in total first-year earnings? I read that in your article, and that's a quote. Is that what you actually say? Maureen, put yourself on mute again. <laughs> yes, that is <laughs> That is. That is. That is. In, you, you say it. Don't make me say it. You say it. 
in order for you to make a move, what would you be looking for, for from total first-year earnings standpoint? Okay. And if they won't say, how do they, you know, what, what comes next? I put it back on them to say, all right, that's fine. Um, I ask that because I don't want to waste your time if we get through this interview process and it comes down to an offer and we're not matching your, matching your requirements. We would have all just wasted all that time. So are you sure you're comfortable with uh, not sharing that information with me? Yeah, I'm comfortable not sharing it. We'll see later on if it's worthwhile to talk about it. Well, if they don't want to talk about it, I'm not going to force the issue. If if they've given really me, in the article you, know, you multiple... said in the article you said the hiring manager is going to be mad at you if you don't come with some figures. I'll I let the hire no I let the hiring manager know that I say look I had the conversation I asked however many times I asked and they refused to answer me so take that with a grain of salt as we yeah. move forward with this individual. I think in 95% of cases, you'll be able to get the salary out of a candidate. Exactly, just by, yeah. I was a, by having a yeah. sensible uh, conversation, I, I would just say, uh, even if it's early, and I, I would say, look, I know it's early in, on in the conversation, but I hope you don't mind me asking, what are you earning right now? Okay, yeah. and you do More it in the first not, conversation. I'm get the answer. You do it, Philip Marks. You do it yeah. in the first conversation, just like uh, – yeah. Just like this guy, Tad Double D here. Yeah. Michael G. Yeah. Cox, you do it in the first first conversation? Yes. Yeah. And, and Anybody I, else? I can't remember. I can't remember why the last time somebody said they wouldn't share that information. Yeah. With why me. would you want to have a whole conversation without talking about that? You know, we've all got limited time. We don't want to spend an hour talking to somebody, you know, when we're going to be way off. And also, smart recruiters know who they're talking to. They know the companies. They probably know 95% of the time. I write down the figure that I reckon they're going to be earning before I ask them the question, and I'm always about 5 or 10% bang on that nose. I guess that's true why, if you're working you, in a niche. Oh, go ahead. Somebody wants to say something. Why, why do, do you I ask what? for the first-year total comp? Why do you ask for the full number instead of just asking for a figure? If you ask for the first-year total comp, you've locked them down to one number with no room to move back and forth. Well, if, you, if you're recruiting a salesperson, what's your basic? What's your OTE? What's your basic? What's well, your well, bonus? I, yeah, I recruit salespeople and usually simply say, where do you need to be financially in your first year for this move or any kind of career move to make sense for you today? But see, that's a different question, though, because then they can say, well, this is my base, yeah. or this is what I expect, yes. total comp. By, by launching that first-year total comp, you're locking them down to a figure that – you can't add bonuses or um, commissions. Well, why or do you say you locking them in? Chad, Chad says in his article, he, he tries to make it very clear, and he'll tell them that this doesn't mean I'm locking you into a certain figure. You tell them that, right, Chad? Agreed, agreed. I, I don't per se, um, I, don't, I don't agree with the locking in by any means. Only um, because it can change, and, and honestly, I'm, I'm just a part of that decision. Once the hiring team understands how this person's going to fit into the organization and what value they bring, that's when we can determine. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty basic stuff here, but if, if you hire a salesperson who's constantly hitting quota by 110, 150%, it stands to reason that that person should probably get a little bit more or can justify a little bit more in the budget than the junior sales. I'll be back in five. Bye. Okay, so you also say well, the, the reason I the reason I brought that up and it might be important is if you turn to someone and say, "Listen, what do you think about 140?" and they and they say, "That's great," you can make that total comp or you can make that salary. So if you are off, you've got the ability. Oh well, that's total including benefits. 
it gives you that opportunity to kind of say, hey, we've got some wiggle room. If you're asking for total full year earnings, they are picking a number, and now they got to worry they pick them if it's too high or too low. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's just a negotiation strategy. Why would you start with the full number? I, I'm always curious well, Jim, about that instead of giving a number. Jim, I'd like to hear how Jim art- does it. Well, that's a, oh, one sec. That's the famous Jim Durbin, okay? And he says, I remind them that in the end, medical benefits, time off, and other package factors will impact this number, too. I mean, I told him to say to us what he says in the article. I, I'm going to have to say it for him. He can't remember everything. Okay, now, uh, Michael G. Cox wants Jim Durbin. Yeah, Michael G. Cox wants Jim Durbin to answer a question. Go ahead, Jim. Well, what did Michael ask? Uh, Jim! He's gone. Okay. So uh, back Jim to is there, and, and Jim, I wanted to know how you would phrase that. I just pick a number and say, so let's talk about salary, yeah. or let's talk about compensation. I say, so let's talk about what you're looking to make. About 140? I mean, I pitch it out there, and then I have lots of leeway. Oh, well, that didn't count commissioner. That's a total comp package. So it gives me forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 flexibility and doesn't freak them out but also tells me what they're thinking about. Well, then here's my question to you is, if you're pitching that number out, do you think by pitching that number out that their number is going to change, what they're looking for? Because my thought process in is they're pretty, if they've been you know, interviewing for a while, they're pretty set on, on the number they're looking to make to move. Now, of course, that's going to change depending on benefits and other ancillary items. But for the most part, they have that number in their mind that's going to, going to um, force a move out of them. So that's what I want to know. I want to know what would you be happy with, and then we can decide through the interview process, you know, if that number is going to be concrete or not, because you're going to find out about our company benefits, not only health benefits, but the actual working for our company in general, bonus structure, what have you. So I just need to know what they're comfortable with making a move, and then we can work from there. Okay, I got to move on, and I got to do an ad. Hey, everybody, because I left it too long. (laughs) Sorry, Marty. Sorry, Marty. Okay, uh, Chad Balby has some advice for me about ads, but we'll get to that later, okay? Now, you know everybody, you know everyone, I can't stop talking about the American elections. You know why? Because it's begun, it's been, it has been the main topic of public entertainment for the last year. 90% of my Facebook stream is all about Trump and Hillary, etc., right? So I have to tell you that people are always talking as well about how divisive it is so this is the main topic they're talking about but at the same time they're all complaining oh it's turning everybody against everybody else and that's why i want to give you some good news about something that is not divisive it's very very inclusive and you know what that is that's pc recruiter pc recruiter there's all kinds of recruiting software out there and you know what a lot of it is very good but here's the thing they all say that they're made for everybody, but they're not. Some are best for direct hire, and some are best for executive recruiting, and some are best for staffing. But PC Recruiter is made for everybody. If you're a recruiter, you know what? PC Recruiter loves you. They love you, love you, love you. So check them out at PCRecruiter.net. PCRecruiter.net. Okay, back to the final question uh, that was I saw in your article about salary. I want to take it a little beyond salary. Selling. You said once you get an idea 
of what this person is looking for, you recognize how much selling you'll have to do when it comes to the offer time. And a question I always ask now is, how much does persuasion figure in recruiting? Uh, apparently, Amazon, I've mentioned, has closers, people who come in to close a deal. So apparently selling, taking a candidate who isn't sure or says no and turning them around, some people think that's a big part of recruiting. Do you agree, Chad Double D Balby? It does, depending on 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 what the offer looks like. I've gotten into situations where our offers haven't completely matched what they're looking for from an expectation standpoint, just to go back to salary. And I've had to talk to them or remind them about the other parts of the job that they're interested in to get away from that number. However, I've also had times where the number's been $15,000 more than the uh, than what they're currently making, and the response is, where do I sign? So yes, depending on the offer, there there might be a, you might have to do a lot of selling, and, and I've had to do that. And, and other times, you don't necessarily have to sell as much. So it really depends on the offer. Okay. Do you get emotionally tense when you sell, or do you say, listen, I'd like you to consider this as well in sort of a mild-mannered way? I have an emotional investment when I sell them, yes, because I think I believe in what I'm selling. I believe that they should become an, an employee for my company. So, yes, it, it is emotional for me. Okay, so you actually tell them, I believe that this is something you should do. Yeah, I, I believe it's in, in their best interest. I mean, I'm not the one to make that decision, so I'm not telling them, hey, you need to accept this because this is in your best interest. However, I do tell them I wouldn't be here having this conversation if I didn't think it was in your best interest. So in other words, you are telling them, I think this is what you should do. I think it's in your best interest. Is that right? I tell them that's my belief. If, that's, if they feel like I'm telling them that, then sure. But I just let them know, look, I'm, I'm coming from this as I believe this is in your best interest. If you disagree with me, well, well, we'll figure that out whether or not you sign the offer letter. Okay, and you don't ask them to take it on faith. You lay out exactly why you think it's good, right? I mean, I think a little bit has to be faith. You know, they have to get that, that good feeling of my company. Um, but, yes, I would say a majority of the conversation is fact-driven. And do you ever ask them, do you have a good feeling about this place? Of course. Of course. I ask them that uh -huh. throughout the process. Every time I talk uh -huh. to somebody and say, hey, even if it's a first-time phone interview, a technical phone interview, after they've done my phone screen, my first question to them is, how does this match up with what, not only what we discussed, but your career objectives as well? Talk to me about that. So every, and they get that same question from me every, every step throughout the process. Okay. Anybody else got a question for him about that, about selling and persuasion and what he just said about his uh, standard question? That's a pretty powerful response. Did you always do that, or have you done that as you've gotten better at it? Would you suggest a junior recruiter try to sell like that, or is it ring false? No, as I've gotten better at it, um, I just realized kind of where I fell short in, in some of my sales, thinking, you know, if I could just present an offer – that would be fine. But then I realized, no, it's, 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 it's got to be more than that. So, yes, it is a skill I developed over time. Oh, so what Jim just said is if you do it with every offer, the guy or woman doesn't have to turn it down uh, for you to start selling. You sell when you make the presentation. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, we're always selling. Yeah, my, my answer was it depends on what the offer looks like. If I know 
that this is going to be a slam dunk offer because it matches everything they're looking for. And all throughout the process, they raved about my company. Yeah, I don't, at the end, I don't need to sell as much. But if there's some hesitation or if I think the offer is not going to necessarily match what they're looking for, I realize there's going to have to be a stronger sale on the back end. Mm-hmm. Jim, did you have a follow-up question? Um, is he third party or is he internal? Is he, when you say you're He's internal. He's so, internal. So what do you, well, what do, you do actually, if you get like you know, a so, massive pay decrease? The manager comes back and has a massive – the candidate's making well, 92, I mean, you, they want to make 94, and they say, I want to pay 70. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll, 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 be, I'll be blunt with the, with the hiring manager and say there's a, a, a very small likelihood of, of closing this candidate on this offer. And more importantly, tell me why you think um, it makes sense to offer him $20,000 less. Walk me through that process. Okay. What percentage do you close on people who are reluctant uh, once you show them the offer? I mean, I would say it's a high percentage. 75, 75 to 80%. Have you ever had anybody come back and say, you know, Chad, you talked me into this and I'm not happy here? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've had a candidate not too long ago, probably about six, seven months ago, um, who was really reluctant to take the offer. But I just reminded them of the things that we talked about. This is also where note taking comes into play. Um, You want to be taking detailed notes on your very first call. Um, because they're gonna, that's usually where you're going to find the pain points of the candidate and why they're even open to talking to you in the first place. So I kind of reminded him of that. We walked through, through, um, through that conversation again, and he was like, hey, look, you know, Chad, I, I, I have a little bit of hesitation here, but I'm, I'm interested in moving forward, and I, and I want to take this jump. And knock on wood, he's, you know, it hasn't been a decision he regretted as of today. Yeah, well, I think you misunderstood what I said. Have they ever come back and said, yes, I regret taking this job, oh, and I only took it because you talked me into it? You, Chad, no, misled no. me. No, no, one, no, because I, I don't mislead people. I, I've never had that conversation happen to me because I've never given falsehoods uh, about a time. Not, uh, false, about, uh, not an false offer. information, but you said, look, I think this is a good move for you, and the guy trusted your judgment. And, yeah, uh, and to, to, I can tell you throughout my career, it's never happened where somebody has regretted making a move because of the conversation I've had with them. Uh huh. That you know of. Okay. That I know. Of. Now well, I, I feel like that's something somebody would share with me. That's pretty strong uh-huh. feeling. Okay. okay I, got, I, had I a, got a quick question in regards to making that offer. Do you do you test your offers, or do you have the conversation before you actually? Um, present the offer oh, yeah. and say, this I, is what we're looking for. I think to I know do. where you're going. And, and, and yeah. so you, you test it before you send it out there. You have the conversation yeah, so, before you email. So, so I, I play dumb a lot, and I hope none of my candidates or future candidates are listening. Um, but more times than not, when I'll know when my hiring manager wants to make an offer, and I'll call the candidate pretending like I don't, and I'll say, hey, look, I haven't talked to my hiring team yet. So I'm not sure where they where they stand with this, but then I go into the process of now if they do want to make you an offer at X amount of dollars, what are your thought process on that? So it so it allows the candidate to you know again I I know I'm I'm not telling them the truth here, but uh yeah. but it kind of I feel personally the reason I do that is because it allows the candidate to kind of put their shields down and have a conversation where it's like okay chat hasn't had that conversation yet, so we're both in the dark right now, so let's figure this out together. 
Okay. Okay. I got to so do another ad. Do think... I... Go ahead. You, Joe, Jim, go ahead, well, and then I'll do my ad. I was just asking, how much do you think the offer presentation matters in terms of the way it's delivered? Now it's written versus verbal, and versus just kind of throwing it out. Because a lot of big companies now, you know, there's a big process involved. They just kind of throw it out. They kind of say, okay. Here's the offer. Just let them accept. How much do you think is that coaching and walking them through? Or once the offer's there, I mean, the offer's there. Honestly, I think it depends on your environment. So I've been working for um, for the last year or so with startup companies, and they do everything very casually. I mean, most people get offers over a cup of coffee with, with no formal writing. Um, obviously, the formal writing is to come later, but but that's just how it's done in this world. So I, it really depends on your company. Um, I would expect if I were to get, you know, an offer from a much larger company that it would be professional uh, offer letter, the whole the whole nine as far as the presentation goes. But in my world that I'm in right now, no, the president the presentation doesn't need to be over the top by any means. I think it's more important when you have variable compensation factors built into that. If you have to sit with somebody and explain, this is the base salary portion of it and this is the on target and these are the percentages and let me talk to you how you can get to this next clip level those things are very important rather than just giving them a, a five page variable compensation uh, agreement and a guarantee agreement and the actual offer letter making sure that you are there to explain those numbers versus just giving them the information and relying on hope that they'll understand it and, and see it favorably is very important. Yeah, I think recruit I don't know if this is the point you were making, but but it you know, I think as a recruiter you it is your responsibility to have that best person's best interest in mind and, and kind of be an advocate for them, which in return means almost babysitting them. Again, I don't know if this is where you're getting to, but from an offer standpoint, they should know you're going to be there to answer every question and lay things out in layman's terms for them. So I just think that's a job as any recruiter should be doing that. Okay. And I think Michael G. Cox, he, he, he's a recruiting salespeople. So uh, there's a lot of conditions on the uh, total package. I oh, want to do yeah. an ad. I want to do an ad, but before uh, I do, I want to acknowledge something about Maureen, who might still be listening. I was having a chat with her on Facebook this morning about what's the best platform for having a class. And I, uh, Maureen, you're still there, right? I'm here. I've gone I'm to here. Maureen. Maureen's doing a class this afternoon, and I told her she did a great job when I attended on um, uh, GoToMeeting. She has slides, and she shows herself in a little video that you can expand or reduce if you want. Uh, and if you want to join in and visually, you can, you can go on, uh, show your picture and your face and talk there too, or you can just communicate with her uh, and the group, um, um, uh, you know, through your, your microphone. I just think that was great. Uh, it was very personal. I think she did a great job. And I think that's a great way to uh, lead a, a small class as well. Maybe even a large, maybe a large one wouldn't work. Anyway, congratulations. <coughs> on that skill, Maureen. I just wanted to acknowledge you, okay? I'm a oh, nice guy. Nice. Well, I decided yeah. to go okay. back to go to meeting, so just for your Good information. Good for you. It works. Uh, I okay. just told you it works very well. Because right, I, I, it's a nice thing to have the slide and also see the mm-hmm. person talking to you. I think it uh, adds something special. Okay, now mm-hmm. to my sponsor who actually pays me for acknowledging him. Uh, mm-hmm. He's called PC Recruiter. His first name is Martin Snyder. And he tells me that everybody claims 
that text and social media are now the hot new forms of communication. But everybody knows that email is still king. And PC Recruiter handles email just the way you want it handled. It works with your mobile phone accounts, and it always shows you you're connected, you're sent, and you're received email for every candidate in hiring authority. And you know what? If you want to find out something about how PC Recruiter works, they've got these videos every Tuesday. They call it, uh, what is it, Two Minute Tuesday. If you go to YouTube and you put in PC Recruiter Two Minute Tuesday, you'll see tips on their software, okay? So go to see that. (laughs) Tell them I sent you. PCRecruiter.net. PCRecruiter.net. Okay, Chad Balby, we're getting near the end of the show. I think you're doing a good job. I think it's a little different from a, a regular show, but I like it so far. Michael G. Cox, you want to give us a thumbs up or thumbs down? Michael thumbs G. Up. Cox, thumbs up? Thumbs up? Yep. Anybody, yep. anybody else? No thumbs down yet? Oh, good. Okay. Nope. Good. Thank you. Uh, any, uh, any topics uh, before I get into my other questions, uh, Chad Double D, uh, that you think are burning, that you'd like recruiters to know? I mean, you're no, going out there. You're seeing think. what they're doing wrong. You see what they're doing wrong. Can you tell us about a, a project where you actually help someone correct what they were doing wrong? Um, no. <laughs> hey, I think no. I, I don't wrong, know what I do. Wrong. Nothing wrong. I apologize. I, I didn't know I had a chance to uh, think about something. Um, n- nothing wrong, but, but just kind of redirecting a recruiter on a search. They may be wasting their time with one technology or one specific job site and just showing them, well, no, you'd pro- your time would probably be better served if you spent more time you'd on this site or using these uh, A little tools. less general, a little less general. Can you tell us what this I mean, person was I had doing a recruiter, exactly? I, I worked with a recruiter uh, maybe last week or two weeks ago who really didn't know much about Boolean searching. Um, rather than take them to through one-on-one, I just showed them a website um, that that allows you to essentially create a Boolean search just by typing in a normal, you know, like you would in a normal search um, search string. Uh, you guys have may have heard of it. I, I enjoy it personally. It's called Recruitum. Um, you can put some things in there, and it pumps out a, a Boolean search what for you. It? So instead what of taking it? the time to, what is it? It's called re- Recruit. Temp. It's called Hold on. Recruit. Temp. Recruit. Recruit hyphen EM. It essentially allows you to be, you know, if you've never seen a Boolean search string in your life, it allows you to put a put together a pretty pretty decent Boolean string. They weren't aware of that. We had that conversation. It was a great conversation. That's, That's actually a really really big problem. You'd be shocked. So you make the assumptions that people know how to search job boards or LinkedIn or their own internal database. Sit and watch them type out their searches you'd be shocked at how many people were just never taught how to do a basic search. I assume Agreed. that every search is the same at every platform because we think that's what recruiters are supposed to know. But a lot of time is mm-hmm. wasted creating bad, bad search strings because Google is not Facebook, is not Aperture, is not Indeed, is not LinkedIn. And they, don't, they don't know what they don't know. Hold on, Jim Durbin. You're saying that the Boolean strings used on these various platforms are so radically different that if you know how to search on Google, you're not going to know how to search on Facebook? Yep, they're totally different, and most people don't know that. 
In fact, it's different inside LinkedIn. LinkedIn Recruiter is different than LinkedIn Premium. So we're, we're, we say the word Boolean and say, oh, I know Boolean, but actually watch someone build a search string, and I think you'll be shocked at how much time is wasted. It's a simple fix, but it's, a, it's an easily overlooked one. What's the difference in searching on Bing or Google? The different operators. It's a bigger conversation. I'd have to show you. Okay. But how radical is it? That's what I'm asking. Not very radical. Very radical. That's why everybody okay, says well, find anyone. Do you agree with that, Chad Double D? I, let me spell uh, this guy's I, name. Go, go ahead. Answer the question first. I, I do. I'm not as educated on that uh, as Jim is, so I, I definitely defer to him. But, but yes, I agree with what he's saying. Yeah. Okay. Chad Double D Balby. I mean, usually, you know, I, I put up today and on the recruitingshow.com when someone goes and looks at this show page it's a picture of you saying here's today's show and there's a picture of a train wreck a, a train went off the tracks uh, what about today's show how, do, how does it rate is it a train wreck or are we in the right direction I would say top, top three shows you've ever done top yeah okay yeah I guess I saw that coming okay <laughs> just wanted to give you a chance to brag okay what kind of question was that you okay expect? so his name is on 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 Twitter is at CFB Recruiter. So his first name is Chad. That's C. I guess his uh, middle name starts with an F, and Balby is his last name, and then Recruiter. Chad F. Balby Recruiter. And Chad is spelled C H A D D B A L B I. Yeah, and if you and if you look up if you look up Chad Balby. Um, that's my other Twitter handle. If you don't like running, you're not going to be interested in it. Oh, okay. But if you if you want to read his articles, just put his name into Google. He's got a lot of them. I think it's very interesting that you know you can't suggest any topics for conversation yourself. Well, well I feel like we've had. Yeah. A, I mean, first off, it's 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 seven minutes before your show ends. Um, but but more importantly, I feel like this has been a great conversation over many topics. So no, we I, I personally feel all focused I've on one topic. It was everyone. all focused on one topic. What about recruiting on Snapchat? Is, is it important? Is it important it's a waste recruiting of time. on Snapchat? Uh, no, I'll answer here. I'll answer your question so so you don't ask me about every social media channel. Recruiting <laughs> on social media channels is useless. Branding on social media channels is brilliant. Okay. Well, I noticed on your Twitter uh, Twitter uh, page you've got whatever company you're consulting with now, it sounds like you're not so much a consultant as an embedded uh, recruiter. We won't argue about that, but you're doing recruiting. Well, yeah, for we them. can get into that and, on another show. Yeah. And you you can come back anytime and you say, come join your comp the company name. So you're putting your Correct. ads out there regularly on Twitter. Then you come here and say, it's not worthwhile. Is that what's going on? I'm saying I'm not going to go onto Twitter and search Java engineers in Philadelphia, but yes, I'm going to promote my brand on Twitter. I feel like you didn't understand you me when I said that. It? You think somebody sees it? Uh, at least 832 people see it. Okay. Why won't you search a certain kind of Java engineer on Twitter? It's just, why do that when there are so many other sites that I could search GitHub, uh, LinkedIn, you know, there's just why why Twitter? I mean, I guess I will if I'm really desperate, but it's just I don't see the benefit in it. Okay, is the phone dead as I'm a method of we, first contact? I'm that we haven't hit on the fact that that I think you need to record your ads and stop doing them live. Go ahead, think, go ahead. I you think, think you, you better hear about, about that? that. 
don't have to talk about it. I just wanted to put that's fine. Twitter, we can move on. And face, Twitter okay. and Facebook is a good place to have a look at candidates to see a little bit more about what's really going on and if there's any kind of red flags, any strange things, any kind of obscure goings on. <laughs> From that perspective, I think oh, some yeah. of those social media platforms are quite useful tools. Hold on. Well, let's prove it. Did you ever have somebody you ruled out because of what you saw on Twitter? Yeah. Really? What did you see? Facebook, I did. I just, and in fact, you know, sometimes you have a conversation with somebody and there's a couple of red flags. They say a couple of things and then you look at their Facebook account and then you start scrolling down and you just see stuff that is just like, inappropriate. Like, 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 uh, just, it, let's just say, I don't want to give you this specific example, but, but, but uh, it was yeah, inappropriate. Useless. Okay. I don't know. An orgy or. A drunken, uh, explicit, you know, whatever. Well, it gives you okay. an idea. Political it gives you a, it gives you a look into how the person thinks and operates. If someone thinks it's appropriate to put into the public very, very sensitive material or very concerning material, it kind of yeah. tells you the type of person and type of conversations they're willing to have in the yeah. office. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, uh-huh. I think that we should only do that if I get the chance to go through every one of your social feeds so that we can all be fired. Yeah, you could yeah, do that. I, I can't yeah. believe that recruiters admit it and follow through with it, considering what I see on a regular basis. Man, that is a slippery slope. I can't believe we go what down you, that road. Hold on, Jim. I'm Jim, come on. What's your example? What are recruiters that. putting out there that you think is wrong? There was some girl who wrote on ERE about how she used – it was something on a dating platform, and she outed this person ended up on the news. And I was thinking, man, I should just go through her social feeds because if I did, she would never get another job. And it, she should have seen the stuff that she was writing about. I'm thinking, wow, what a double standard. That is a dangerous world to play in. I can't believe that we make ourselves the morality police for that. It's just- I'm not suggesting that that's an that's activity that I practice on a regular basis. Truth be told, I can't remember the amount of times that I've ever disqualified something for something that I've seen on, in the public. However, yes, I do research my candidates. And if something shocking comes up that's pretty public, that's not very hard to find, then yeah, that that'll give me pause. But no, I'm not okay, going to let go me, deep Let me let me have a quick a few the, quickies. Let me get a few quickies out there before we're you've got three minutes left. Is the phone dead? It. Is a phone dead as a method of first contact? Sorry, Marine, but yes, yes, it is. Really? Why? Why? So you don't use voicemail? People don't listen to voicemail and they don't answer their phone. Is that what you're saying? I've read articles uh, upon articles where people say that, no, voicemails go unreturned. However, text messages will get returned immediately. So how often do you use text messages? Once I've established a, a relationship with the candidate. Not on first contact. Your email is always your first contact or in mail. Which is it? Uh, 80% of the time it's an email, yes. An email. How do you get – what's your famous favorite email uh, discovery tool? Oh, I love, there's three that I use, uh, Lucia, Profit, and Email Hunter, and I use uh-huh. those in that order. Uh-huh. And will you pay for them or just use the free versions? No, I, I don't pay for them, and I find it to be successful. Also, I love the GitHub API search. If you, none of those work, I'll, I'll go to that. And if you do the API search on GitHub, usually you can pull up their email as well. I barely, you know, next I, time you come back, 
Jeffrey. Next time you come, how, many, have to talk to how many emails are you sending a week? I would probably say I send 40 to 50 a day, so upwards of 200. Wow. Wow. Lucia. Wow. How do you spell Lucia? L-U-S-H-A. Well, maybe one of the best I will say of all those. How do you spell that? That's fine. Emails, phone numbers. It's it's very. You know what, Phil? Just go to recruitingtricks.com. That's where my you'll find my Facebook group. In the top right corner, there's a search engine. Just put an email. All those tools have had big discussions about them. Okay? No problem. Lucia, Email Hunter, uh, and our friend, Maureen. How come you didn't bring him up? Uh, Hire Tool. H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L. People are raving about that one. Okay? And he's a nice mm-hmm. guy as well. Okay. Yeah, I think we're... Uh, yeah. I, I, think we're, I think we're there. Are we, Chad? Oh, there's somebody. Uh, I'm, look, I'm looking at 5. I'm sorry, I didn't see you. Area code 415. Sorry about that. Okay. But everybody, there's been Phil for Phil Marks from England, Jim Durbin from Texas, Michael G. Cox from Texas, Maureen from Cincinnati, and our great Phil friend Bear. here from Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> from Philly. Chad Belby, thank you! Oh, So 18 years in the industry, started with a family firm, uh, recruiting industry. Oh, there you have it. Jerry, wake up. You recommended this guy. Go ahead. I mentioned it offhand when I was in a drunken stupor. Don't ask Jerry for advice after 5 p.m. Okay, go ahead, Brian. Oh, my God. So Amy Beth is a good communicator. Where does whiskey fit in with recharging? Does that make me an introvert? That doesn't make her an extrovert. Yes, Jerry. Charges by Jerry. If you drink alone, then you're an introvert. (laughs) What what if I drink alone, but I call a lot of people all night long because I want to talk to somebody? You're an extrovert. extrovert. Okay. Then you're an alcoholic, but that's okay. (laughs) Oh, we're looking ahead, and the future does not look good for LinkedIn. Uh, Okay. The first issue, I divided your article up into issues. Okay. Okay. The first issue is numbers. You say uh, LinkedIn has 120 million members. Facebook has 750 million, and employers fish where the fish go. Yes. You want to comment? Okay. Okay. Well, Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch-ch-ch-chumba. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.